0: looking at the cannabis industry, like we we didn't know if this was recession-proof. We didn't know if this was counter-cyclical. We didn't know anything about the cannabis industry and how it would go up against an economic downturn like we saw in COVID. You and I and everyone else in the industry, we we were all anecdotally guessing it was going to be counter-cyclical. And then March rolled around and we waited for the data in April. And then there you go. It was a blessing for all of us to see how sales went up 20% when, when the economy just stalled. From
1: MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing this year's Cannabis Investor Series with another former guest, Narby Alexandrian from Canopy Rivers. Narby, welcome back to the show.
0: Pleasure to be here. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I've been looking forward to speaking with you because Canopy Rivers is one of the only publicly traded cannabis venture capital firms. Before we get to that, though, I want to recommend that all of our listeners go back and listen to last year's show, episode 155, because with so much to talk about today, we're not going to have time to recap some of the things that we talked about on that episode. So, Narby, last time you were here... You talked about Canopy Rivers, Canopy Growth relationship. Can you quickly explain how that works again, and you know maybe give us a quick update?
0: Yeah. So just uh, just to backtrack quickly, Canopy Rivers was originally part of Canopy Growth when it was first founded. It was the in-house venture capital arm of Canopy Growth. As they're making acquisitions, Canopy Rivers is doing minority investments in hopes that you take a two-pronged approach to to the growth of the cannabis industry. Fast forward to now, we've spun out, we're independent, we're autonomous, we're listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, so we have more than one shareholder. Our prime goal is to invest in cannabis companies now, watch them towards an exit, and then after that period of time, then take those dollars and invest in other companies. Now, Cannabis Growth has, has been our largest investor since day one and their largest supporter since day one, and they, they've had a number of changes from a management perspective, from Bruce to Mark to now David Klein and the whole Constellation crew coming into it. We have a good relationship with them. They help our portfolio companies out in ways of genetics and regulatory and distribution. And, and we help them out of giving them the an understanding of how the sector is moving and what companies are really disrupting, which where, is where, where is the puck right now, versus where is the puck headed? So our relationship has extended. We announced that we had added the CFO of Canopy Growth onto our board of directors, Mike Lee, just a few weeks ago at our AGM on on September 24th, we announced that the CFO of Constellation Brands, Garth Hankinson, was coming over to, to our board as well. So we have two heavy hitters from Canopy Growth and Constellation, and they bring a wealth of experience of M&A, corp dev, and finance into our mix. And that's really helped us see the, a new perspective of, of how to invest.
1: Man, that's a lot of horsepower on your board. Holy smokes. That's great. I want to jump to talk a little bit about COVID, not I don't want to dominate the whole conversation, but I mean running a public company, how did you weather that COVID storm?
0: Yeah, it was like we, we've never had experience like this before. To go to each one of my portfolio companies and say, we've seen the budget, let's try a new scenario. Let's try zero revenue and keep the cost the same. And <laughs> can you get out of twenty twenty? You have to be sympathetic to these companies because we never develop a scenario where we say there's no revenue whatsoever and you're still incurring costs, because that was unfathomable if I asked that in December. So we did that work for about a month and a half, really focused on the 18 portfolio companies to say, how can we get out of this situation if we're in lockdown for 12 months? Okay. And luckily, a lot of these companies had positioned themselves for subsidies and, and government assistance, but also, they could lean up very quickly, and we've always trained them to do that. Sales and marketing uh, is a dial, it's not necessarily a switch. So. If things aren't going well, you can decrease that. If things are going well, you can increase that. So we've really coached them on that principle early on. So it wasn't that bad. After we we figured out our portfolio companies who needed money, who didn't, then we went in in in-house, we cleaned ourselves up in-house as well. We we cut down about 35% of our workforce, unfortunately, and uh, and really cut down on OPEX in order to, to push for a normalized cash flow positive. Now, looking at the cannabis industry, like we, we didn't know if this was recession-proof, we didn't know if this was countercyclical. we didn't know anything about the cannabis industry and how it would go up against an economic downtrend like we saw in COVID. You and I and everyone else in the industry, we, we were all anecdotally guessing it was going to be counter-cyclical, and then March rolled around and we waited for the data in April, and then there you go. It was a blessing for all of us to see how sales went up 20% when, when the economy just stalled.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. That's we're on pins and needles. But I mean it's so far so good. I have to admit that we're not hearing a lot coming out of Canada. You're in Toronto. Maybe give us a quick update as to what's going on with the Canadian cannabis industry.
0: Yeah, so there's a big divide between what I call Main Street and Wall Street when you look when you look at Canada. Because when you look at Wall Street, the capital markets, you're seeing companies bleeding everywhere, especially in Canada. You have a market that hasn't really developed uh, as quick as you wanted it to, and a lot of that is due to a a lack of brick and mortar retail in some of the largest provinces in Canada. Take Ontario, for example, 70% of the Canadian population is here. We have about 40, 50 stores. dismal in comparison to the amount of liquor stores we have, which is about 1400 in the entire province. Wow. There's a big gap between there. And I know every week now, the government recently said they're going to open up 10 licenses for brick and mortar, but that takes time to develop. So that, that's a catalyst that we're waiting for. On Main Street, which is what we're seeing at the till, we're seeing something different. We're seeing an exponential growth within the market. So between January 2020 to June 2020, is so that six months. Every month, we were seeing between an 8 to 9% growth in sales on wow. average, okay. which is great. And then July rolled around, and we were skeptical if that could continue, and July was 15.2% growth in retail sales. So now we're in double digits. It's, it's been a fantastic number of months for, for the Canadian market. And if this thing trend continues, and we got to 1,000 stores in Ontario, well... Every store needs about a million dollars of beginning inventory. That's a billion dollar market just in Ontario alone.
1: When I talked to a lot of the other investors, they mentioned that valuations have not followed the same trajectory as sales. And a lot of the decks that they're seeing, the valuations are lower as compared to this time last year. How is it in Canada? Have you seen the same thing or are they higher or lower?
0: Oh, it's the same thing. I, I mean, if we take a step back when Canada legalized, the expectation within the entire sector was if a G7 country is going to legalize, then you're going to see more of these G7 countries legalize. If the U.S. is going to do it quickly and Germany was going to do it quickly and all of Europe had a European Union discussion about it. And then all these talks were about, OK, what's next? Australia, New Zealand, Latin America is going to provide THC for these countries and China is going to provide CBD for these countries. And the expectation was it was going to become a global trade. Mm -hmm. That hasn't gone as quickly as expected and COVID-19 really dampens that entire scenario because that's not on the top of uh, a government official's mind of legalizing cannabis other than maybe helping out with the deficit. So we've seen a, a hold back on any legalization talks for the most part across the world. Now, these companies based in Canada, because we're in a legal market, they're geared towards servicing all legal jurisdictions around the world as they were supposed to come up one by one. So the valuations back then were as if those companies were global companies. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen because of COVID-19 is that the barrier to become global is very hard. You can't travel, the the amount of commerce is difficult, Mm -hmm. and all the talks between Trump and China of protectionism has really provided a bit of a different lens of globalization and how that's going to work out for, for any country doing business with another country. So The companies in canada are have taken a big haircut especially the public ones and we're seeing how that has trickled over into the private markets and we're we're seeing valuations that are much lower now than they were a year ago
1: sound like it's a buyer's market i mean you're in a great position if companies need money and their valuations are lower it seems that would be great for your fund
0: yep and we've been sitting on cash for quite some time now every month as goes by we're seeing lower and lower valuations We've finally seen the private markets really mimic what we're seeing in the public markets. However, I don't want to dissuade anybody from thinking about getting into this industry because if you look at the growth rate of what we're seeing and you're seeing how many mistakes these large public companies made anticipating what would have been the sector but didn't turn out to be, this is a fantastic opportunity for anybody that wants to come into the market, develop a brand, go the pharmaceutical route, open up a retail store, or maybe do something ancillary like technology and data and software, this is the time to start a company. And if you look at the tech sector, Airbnb, Uber, FedEx, so these are all companies that were born off of recession. So this is the time, if you're looking at starting a company, this is the time to really hone in on that and and ride the wave as we bounce back.
1: I I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Unfortunately, on the flip side of that, from what I'm hearing, it's difficult for investors to pick winners now. It's just getting to a point where a casual investor is just having a really hard time. I know you make it a lot easier because Canopy Rivers is public so they can buy your stock. What are some of the other advantages to investing with Canopy Rivers?
0: I mean, we, we see so many deals. We, we've seen about 2,200 plus pitches in the last two years. So every day our staff looks at anywhere from 5 to 10 pitches, talks to entrepreneurs. We've talked to over 4,000 entrepreneurs. So we have a good lens of where the market is going. And in our perspective, it's about data, it's about technology, it's about agricultural science, it's about biosynthetics, and it's about brands. And that, that's where we think the future is. That's where we think the competitive advantages are that are sustainable, and, and you can create barriers to entry around them. And and we don't necessarily believe in the old mantra of cultivation and extraction, because we've seen how those have commoditized over a period of time. The future are our brands. Like We know that cannabis cultivation is becoming easier and easier and easier and is becoming more standardized so that if you're a brand that's being developed, you don't have to go and be vertically integrated if your state doesn't uh, force you to. Instead, you can create something that, that is more of like a procter and gamble, a bunch of marketers and salespeople that have great ideas and then they source the raw input from cultivators who are really good at what they do, but not necessarily don't have that marketing power. So we're seeing this trend take place of horizontal integration versus vertical integration as best-in-breed companies are developing.
1: All right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it seems like a natural progression for any industry. I have all of Narby's information in the show notes, and so if if you're a company that's looking for funding or your investor that wants to know more about it, click on the show notes and you can get all Canopy Rivers information, including their stock information, which we didn't mention, but you can get all their stock information right from the show notes. Narby, wish we had more time.
0: Thanks for having me. We're really excited.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. InFused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kinda curious or running a cannabis, InFused has kinda conversations that count. InFused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network network. network.